from Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. One of my greatest stories with uh, my brothers, I was so mad at Josh and my oldest brother. And he was sitting across our basement room. Like we lived in the basement together. um, I guess technically five of us lived in the same room in the church parsonage in the, in the basement. Yeah, it was crazy. Bunk beds. Like you should have seen it was like barracks for like the army because, you know, my parents had eight kids because they loved us. But (laughs) we're down there. I'm super mad at him and I have a dart in my hand. And wait, like an actual dart dart. with a pointy metal. Yeah. With the metal thing. And I am so mad at him and he, they're trying to calm me down and everything like that. And I go, I'm going to scare him. I'm going to just throw the dart like, you know, (laughs) across the room, but way away from him. I throw it. It literally lands right next to his head. Oh, jeez! Like right next to his head. (laughs) And my brother Dan said my face went like, why does it ghost? And then when I saw it right next to his head, I started smiling like, ha ha, I meant to do that. I meant to do that. I meant to throw that dart right next to your head. The other thing was with Dan, <laughs> we came home from hiking one time shooting BB guns. And um, so I had this pellet gun and we come home and there's like this plastic little cup just sitting by a tree. So I'm gonna, I go, Dan, I'm going to hit that cup. And I pull up the pellet gun and I shoot it and he falls right beside me. Like literally I shot it and then he falls. The pellet hit the plastic cup, ricocheted back, hit him right above the eye. <laughs> Man. It was pretty cool. I shoot the and he falls. <laughs> it was pretty. pretty cool. It was pretty hilarious. Says the younger brother. Only yes. a younger brother would say it was pretty it. cool. Yes. Oh yeah. Only boys do that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> so, welcome to Stay Paid. Welcome everybody. to Stay Paid. You just heard us talking about some of my childhood stories. Did we? Yeah, we did. We oh. just heard. We just heard about me talking about my childhood stories. As some of you guys know. I grew up in a family of eight kids. Yeah. So there's some pretty wild stories. And we were homeschooled. So the reason why I bring that together. up. So we, yeah, correct. Because we were done with homeschooling like about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. And then what? the Oh, yeah. Um, now, what time did you start? Our education was good. I asked my mom. We were on vacation just recently. Yeah. Um, and my brother Dan and I were talking to my mom. And we said, were you ever worried about our education? <laughs> and she goes, No. After Josh, who's my oldest brother, yeah. went went to college and he did okay, you know. Actually, Josh did. I'll tell you in a second. He, she, he did okay. I wasn't worried at all. And we were like, Mom, Josh went to college at 15. Like, Josh was a genius. Like, <laughs> were you not worried about did the rest really? of us? Yeah, Josh went to college. My oldest brother went to college at 15, which was probably a mistake because he didn't really fit in. He talks about it sometimes. He okay. didn't really fit in. And he wrote a book. He wrote a book called Excalibur. When he was in his teenage years, and what's wow. a decent book? Uh, but yeah, he was like one of those. He's a kid that will take the encyclopedia. He's not a kid; he's my older brother. But right. he'll take the encyclopedia and read the encyclopedia. Oh yeah, like to, he's that type. I used of to guy. read the dictionary. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> you read the. I, I did. I love sitting I down and that. reading the dictionary. Josh is a brainiac. Kevin can relate. I think. I think Kevin and I might bond on that. Yes, yeah, right <laughs> I was so. not that kid. 
love. I was, I'd go to my dad. I like, was the certificate. I'd be like, kid. Dad, I found this yeah. new word. And you would be all excited. Yeah, about this my new mom word. told me to get a certificate instead of going to college, like, you know, a technician's <laughs> certificate or something. You're not out, degree out of love. Out of love. I was, I'm the hustler type kid, I guess, is what you call it. But <laughs> you're getting to know the host of Stay Paid a little bit more today. A little bit better. Well, we're going to get to know I our guest here a little bit more as well. Her name is Lindsay Soprani. She is a Westchester, Pennsylvania-based realtor, so she's right next door to us. She's local. Maybe about 30 minutes away. Yep. So, And she's also a broker. She began her career in real estate as the business manager for one of the top real estate agents in Chester County before becoming the office's listing manager. And from there, she set out on her own as an agent using what she learned to grow her business. And today, she's the CEO and owner of Roundtable Real Estate Services as well as Soprani Consulting, which works to recruit and train employees for other businesses. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Lindsay, it's great to have you. I'm really excited to kind of hear your story. Also dive into, you know, you're doing so much. You not only do your own real estate business, you're doing consulting. And then we talked a little bit before we jumped on the podcast about talking about the idea of investing in the product you sell. And I thought that was super interesting. So I'm looking forward to diving into that topic on the podcast. But if you could go ahead and just really share your story, introduce yourself to the audience, how you got into real estate, what has led you on this journey, what you're passionate about. So go ahead and take just a moment and kind of give the Cliff Notes version of your life. Love it. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I it was interesting after college, um, I kind of did what a lot of other people do and that's jumped around to, from job to job a little bit trying to figure out what in the world I wanted to do and I had a mentor of mine who was in title insurance and was like listen come work here just answer the phones for a little bit and we'll just you know we'll just be an intermediate like a, a something that you could do for a little bit and then we'll figure out where you're going to go from there and so I reconnected with him, went to work there, and before I knew it, I was working in title insurance. And uh, and and everybody, all of my friends were like, "Wait, what is title <laughs> insurance?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's really great. I don't know, but I'm working there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there." So I, you know, it was great. So I, I got to understand real estate from a very different place through that. Um, parted ways with them and went and worked for a couple different companies. Um, and that same mentor, Matt Fedick, actually came back after me late, years later and said, hey, I need somebody to run my real estate team. And I was like, I do not want to be in real estate. Like, that is not what I want to do. Um, and at that point, I was working for the Society of Motion Pictures and Television Engineers, which is a ridiculous thing. But we were a nonprofit awesome. yeah. that helped all of the engineers create all of the movies that you watch and all the, the cool special effects. Dang, and so cool. I was running <laughs> that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and came after me, wanted me to run his team. And after a little while, I decided that maybe I would do that. And so, um, went to work for him. We were building processes and procedures. He was already closing around 60 deals a year. Wow. Um, and the goal was to take him to over 200. <laughs> and so we did that together, um, over the course of probably about four years together. We also learned how to sell short sales because it was right in that time when yeah. uh, the market crashed and we had to figure out a mm. way to make money pretty quickly. And so I lived through that with him. And after having my first child, I, I really started to look at what where my gifts were and what I thought that I wanted to do. And I felt like I really wanted to be a leader and, and to have my own business where I could make my own decisions and do everything that I wanted to. So 
went out on my own in real estate. And really quickly after doing that, I had a lot of people ask me if I would go run their teams. And instead of doing that, I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll hire you somebody and I'll train them and I'll call it Soprani Consulting. And so before I knew it, I had two businesses and um, (laughs) consulting was actually, (laughs) it was great. So, um, Soprani consulting actually started to grow faster than my real estate did. Um, and that was because I had stumbled upon a niche within, um, real estate, real estate agents, salespeople in general, you guys probably can imagine this. They're not the best at hiring for themselves. Yeah. Um, in fact, they hire themselves to do all the paperwork all the time. So they're hiring other salespeople to do that because that's who they're attracted to. And, um, I kind of fell into this niche of like, Hey, there's no real training systems for these admin and salespeople are horrible trainers. And before I knew it, I was hiring and training for most of the top teams all across the country, actually, wow. which has been really cool. That's awesome. So, yep. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. And, that, and that, now- <laughs> I, I never thought about it that way, that that's one of the, the downfalls or the mistakes that, that salespeople or agents would make is trying to hire themselves to do a completely different job. You know, actually, as she's saying yeah. that, I think to myself, I think we make that mistake all, yeah. all the freaking time. <laughs> we do it's like steve and i can't help ourselves yeah. like well you yeah you hire people you're attracted yeah. to and you're Correct. attracted to people that are like you yeah, so i guess it makes sense but so what do you, are you actually helping yep. to coach them on on how to hire or are you actually taking over the hiring process like on the on the consulting side you know in the beginning i was coaching them because i thought that that would be smart uh but not very coachable either um <laughs> i love real estate agents i am one and uh so i can say that with love Um, but yeah, you know what? They think they know what they're doing. So we ended up, um, creating a system and a process around just from them and bringing them in at the very end so that they can still connect with that person and make the hires. So so we do the whole thing. Awesome. All right. So you start, you know, you start this consulting business, starts going really well. You're a real estate agent, but walk me through kind of, you know, the years of you kind of growing the real estate business and the consulting, you know, business. How has that played out for you over the last so many years? Yeah, it's been a little bit crazy, right? So the consulting company started to grow really quickly. Um, at the same exact time, I had closed 16 deals my first year, and then I doubled that the second year and knew really quickly that I needed to gain help in one of those arenas. Um, I started to realize that Soprani Consulting, like I said, I I had stumbled upon this niche and I decided to um, jump full full throttle into that as much as I could. And so I um, called up a good friend of mine who he was actually one of my first clients in the consulting company and said, hey, I'm, I'm looking to figure something out partnership wise for my real estate team. And so I actually partnered with him and took all of my real estate business and gave it to his team. And I became a 30% owner there. Oh, wow. And then my, and yeah, my entire job for that company was to be somebody who just recruited talent and then trained the talent, right? Okay. And that was what I was doing anyways for Soprani. So um, it made perfect sense for me to kind of partner there. You know, they all started to close my deals and they had great agents there. So that was a that was a good partnership. And then um, went full force into Soprani, really trying to build that and grow it. Um, so fast forward a year from that date, um, 
the friend that I partnered with got offered an amazing opportunity with a totally different brokerage to run that brokerage and to build that out. Um, And it was something that he couldn't walk away from. And so we then had to figure out this team that we had just started building. Honestly, it was a one year, um, this team that we had just started building. We were like, okay, what do we do now? And how do we, you know, how do we tell our team that we've just recruited all these people and we're training them and putting all these processes procedures in place. Um, so we didn't, you know, we just said, Hey, this is what's happening. And that other brokerage, I mean, you know, I'm in Westchester. So that other brokerage was out in Conshohocken and it just was, it was a hike for most of us. So, um, a lot of the team ended up staying with me and, uh, wanted to start their own team. And so we launched from scratch, which is actually, I think, a big piece to how I have become known in this industry of who I am. And um, I was able to launch a brand new team. So, I mean, he took the website. He took everything that we had created, everything wow. we had branded, went with him. And I had to launch within 24 hours, uh, get it fully up and running in a totally new brokerage. We, we switched. Um, we didn't switch our brand, but we switched our office. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we, we put incredible. all those processes and procedures in place. Yeah. And then, uh, within that first year closed 20 million, which was a big deal. Oh my us, so goodness. Good. That is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah, that, is good. that, that's round table. Is that round table? That's round table. Yep. Okay. Um, and we actually named it round table. So after like King Arthur, to, so that everybody has a say in it, it's not just my that's name. Awesome. Um, and, and kind of created that thing so that my name wouldn't be there and so that everybody else can, you know, deal with their own clients and handle all of that. How, so, how many agents are on the team? Yeah. So now we have seven agents. Okay. Um, we're getting ready to add an eighth and we have an ISA and then two admin. Okay. All right. So it's a, it's a big team. Uh, buyers agents or are they all both buyers and listings agents? So I, I am a hybrid, of okay. course. Um, so I have, I have, a number of people that just do buyers and then I have a number of people that just do uh, listings and then everybody else I call a general agent. They're allowed to do both. Um, but we kind of run it so that, um, you know, all of my business and then a lot of the ISA's business will go to the lead buyer specialist and the lead listing specialist so that they just keep going and going and going and closing. And then they generate more leads for the general agents to okay. convert and do business. So, yep. so many routes, obviously we could go down. Cause I'm curious, like, how do you structure your ISA? You know, how do you go about with your team? I'm sure you have gone some up and downs with, you know, like we all do when we're trying to figure that out, but I'm curious, you know, because you come from this operational kind of perspective with the consulting side, like the, you keep talking about, I've heard you say multiple times, these procedures and, and implementing these. So I'm curious, could you give some insight into the operational side of what you've built and why you believe, whether it's the unique things or the things that you think every real estate agent should really put into their business to help them be scalable. Yeah. So everything that we do in real estate, there there are tricky little things that pop up here and there, right? And there's always something new that we're learning every transaction. It's what I love about real estate. But at the end of the day, you know, when we go under contract, Steps A through Z need to happen. When we're getting ready to list a home, steps A through Z have to happen. When we're marketing our company, A through Z. Um, for me, it's all about processes and procedures. And that is, that is, I say it all the time because that's all we do. So if there's, you know, if we have a breakdown in communication or something happens, 
a process broke down or something, you know, there was a procedure missing potentially. Um, all of our training. So like I am, that's what we do, right? We, we train all things real estate. So that goes from admin to ISAs to, um, agents. And, you know, a big piece to that is that we, we have steps that they need to take and we have it all laid out for them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if an agent comes in and they, they actually take the lead plans that we have that we know work, right? So if they take a 10 days of pain, for example, is what I'm going to call that lead plan for internet leads, and they actually follow it step by step and they do the things that it says, they are going to trip over business at some point, right? If they follow those those steps. Did you call now, it the course, 10 days of yeah. pain? Yes. I love um, that. I love that. Yes. Yeah, That's awesome. You're, you're not sugarcoating at all what they're going to walk into. Hey, pick up that no. phone or start posting or... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. It's painful for the agent. It's painful for the, the potential client as well. The lead, right? Um, we're gonna text, email, and call every single day, and Love probably that. Facebook stalk them as well. So, yes, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if they go through all those things, right? They, I mean, at some point, they're gonna get, they're gonna convert something because they're gonna get better and better on the phone. They're gonna get better with their scripts, and and they're gonna convert. So. For me, that's what I live and breathe, and that's what we put in place for all of the teams that we work with. So, you know, we've we've worked with teams that close 800 deals a year. We've worked with, you know, people Jeez. that close 30, and it's just a matter of putting all the different things in place. And and we have um, we have three and six month training schedules that go along with that. And I believe within three months or six months, we can pretty much get a company up and running and, and get them profitable. That's impressive. You know, something that's, I think, a golden nugget that you have basically laid out for people. I always told people when I was talking to them, it's like my uncle's a pilot and, you know, he's actually a partner in business with me here. And every time he gets in the plane, oh, it's yeah. interesting <clears throat> watching yeah. how he goes about the takeoff because it's the flight checklist. And it is every switch. He, I mean, he talks and he's talking out loud and he's walking through the procedure. It's no different. Like, I love that you said, hey, when you get a listing, what's the listing flight checklist? Like, yeah. what is that A to Z? What, and I think a gold, the golden nugget really is everybody should be asking themselves that's listening to this right now. Do you have those checklists? And if you don't, you're inflicting so much pain on yourself because you're wondering, did I take care of that? Did I not take care of There's that? There's always nagging. Yeah. Did, I, did I do that one Cause, thing? Yeah, because think about when you're taking off. Do you want to be thinking, <laughs> or when you're landing, do you want to yeah. be thinking, do I have my landing gear down? <laughs> right. No, no, no. It, want, it needs to be just a freaking procedure that you're walking through. Yeah. And that's the key to scalability. But the problem, and tell me what you think about this. I think the problem for people is they think that's really simple. They see that as mundane. Yeah, they see it as it. like, oh, I don't need it. You know, I, I know that when I get a list, that's not I'm going to have part. to put the yard, you know, the yeah. sign in the yard. But even doing got listing sign in yard, like doing every little step to make sure I don't miss a single thing in my plan, whatever that plan is to do it, I think is key. Do you create those for people or do you, like, is it tailored to the, to the specific company or is it pretty much the same that you found? If you just run this checklist, you'll be successful. Yeah, we have templates that if they just run the those and use them, they'll be successful. Um, but we also we're we're consulting through that process, right? So we do a video um, session every single week with these people, and we will we'll listen to what they're really doing in the business, and then 
take our checklist, walk them through like, Hey, these are the templates that we need you to have. And these are what you need to use. But listen, let's, let's make them about your agent or, you know, let's make them about your team. And so we kind of start to structure that together. And then once that's done, then that person, whoever we're on with, whether it's an ISA or an admin, then they have to take that extra step and go meet with the lead agent and just say, Hey, does this work? Um, most of the time, they don't have anything, right? And so they're looking at every single file every single time saying that exact thing, like, did I do this? Did I not? I can't tell you how many homes that I would be, you know, on the buyer side and like, we'd get there for the final walkthrough and all the staging was still there. And I was like, Oh, you're going to pay a lot more money to rush yeah, the staging out. Yeah. You're you know? so stressed and you're so <laughs> yeah. stressed. That's when your business is running you. You're not running. Yeah. So I think that's one of the first golden nuggets is you got to get those uh, checklists. So you got to yeah. get those built for every action that is replicatable in your business, i.e. when you get the listing, when you actually like, you know, let's say you actually are going to close, what's your closing process, all yeah. those things. So I'm curious to hear what your lead generation categories are. Um, and yeah. I call them just so you understand, like I classify like, you know, open houses as a category of lead generation or farming as a category of lead generation. When you look at your businesses or the businesses you're consulting with, what are some of the common lead generation categories that you see them doing that is, you know, really driving you? Like you said, you guys did 20 million, which is extremely impressive. You know, what's driving that from the categories you're focused on? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's funny that um, each year it's kind of been a little bit different because I think the market's continuing to change. You guys have probably seen that. And um, so when we first launched, we had to launch fast and quick. And so we we were really heavy on calling expired listings okay. and for sale by owners, right? And um, and we were circle calling all the time. So we had, you know, systems like Vulcan and Mojo that we okay. purchased that we were like, all right, we're just going to we're going to put it in the dialer and we're just going to sit here with our headphones on and just find listings. Right. Because then we knew buyers were going to come from that. Um, so that was the beginning. And that is still very present in our business right now. Um, and we're probably the for closings out of that, we're probably at about 35% now. But okay. in the beginning, we were at like 70%. And that's what your ISA calls is FISBOs. Our and ISA explain. and our lead listing specialist, myself, I'm on the phones and my husband's on the phones Good, as well. good for so you. We're, that's we're awesome. All hitting them. I love yeah, that. So we're love still that. doing that. Um, and then, so we, we pay for Brivity. It's, you know, you yep. can get a CRM of sorts and we use Brivity um, for now. And that we are paying, we have Google ads and gotcha. Facebook ads yep. and all social media. And we are, we're doing the token like, Hey, here's this actual property. And then they come in and we're marketing our properties really well. So we've got internet leads coming off of those. Um, and then we also have internet leads coming off of like, Hey, you want to know what your house is worth? That's awesome. Which yep. is the, a lot, a lot CMAs. of us Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we're doing that. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, our sphere is, and we've started to really build into that. So that's a big piece to what I do. Right. So I have, we do a quarterly event. Um, okay. so we do one a quarter. We are, uh, one of our new things is that we are touching our sphere by doing a, what we are going to call a telethon. And so we are giving something away every single month. That's a valuable thing. So we did like a that's cleaning session. Yep. We did a cleaning session. We did like cleaning your gutters. We um, have right now this month, the ring, we're going to give the ring away. We did AirPods, all kinds of stuff. Is that like um, a raffle? Like you're calling everybody and they get entered into a raffle to win? 
So we're calling everybody, and in order to get entered, they actually have to call us, right? So it's like oh, that's telephone. awesome. So that's they, creative. So we're actually making them pick up the phone and call us, that's awesome. right? Which is great because normally we're calling them and harassing them, right? So they're picking up the phone, they're calling us, and then they have to have the answer to a question. So like this month, we have like how many candies are in this jar, and la- you know sometimes we'll say what's Steve's favorite um, TV show. And we'll okay. give them the answer in the vet message or whatever, but then they still have to call us. And the key here is that when they call, we say, hey, do you want a second chance to win and or a third chance? And we'll say, yeah. And we'll say, great. <laughs> Who do you know that's looking to buy or sell? Or uh, that's so great. That's great. That's awesome. So then we're entering them in. And believe it or not, that's, I mean, we're getting probably about two, two actual leads a month. Um, but we're Are getting you really? people to call in. Yeah. That is awesome. Two, well, yeah. So it, the cool part there is that the psychology behind picking up the phone, having them conditioned to pick up the phone and call you, training you is keeping them. you yeah. so top of mind just from doing that piece alone. And then you're asking for the referral, of course. That is that is exactly what it is. And I can't take full credit for that. My uh, my amazing coach um, has has been doing this with a couple of people. And so but it's been really it's been very helpful for us. So that's another thing that um, I would say, you know, it's been great. I love that. It's interesting just hearing kind of how you break down the the lead generation categories, what you went through. I mean, pretty much every agent that I'm talking to, that is where they're getting their their listings from. That's where they're getting their leads from. Mm -hmm. The two that you didn't mention that I throw out there all the time are open houses and farming. Uh, But yeah, those two. But that is where it's happening. And people just are so scared of the phone. They're so scared of talking to people because they don't feel like they have value. But look how easy that was to create value through this simple telethon type experience where you're giving. I'm sure it's not too expensive to come up no. with these gifts and it's just an easy way to call because you're giving value. I think that's what holds people back from the calls. Yes, we don't like cold calling. No one does. But it's really when you feel like you're bothering someone where you're not giving them value. So you got to come up with something of value to give people and that's going to make the experience so much better. Okay. So I want to you know switch gears a little bit because you talked about something very interesting before we jumped on the podcast and you made the statement that you said, we as real estate agents basically don't invest in the product we sell. And I thought that was really interesting. And I want to hear what you're doing for your agents and talk about what you are really passionate about and getting agents to realize, hey, to build real wealth, you need to be investing in the product you sell. So could you kind of give us and elaborate your insight in there and what you're talking about? Absolutely. Yeah, I think for years, um, and it's funny, you know, I've been in real estate now for 10 years, and I've only just become an investor myself for the last couple of years. And, um, and I think that at the end of the day, we get so stuck in this, like, okay, I'm running a business, and I'm creating a business that we forget to invest in what we're selling, right? Um, and it's, I, it's the most important thing we can do. And for a really long time, I've watched, especially real estate agents, right? I mean, we just, we grind it out and we will work until one in the morning. Oh, yeah. Every night, 16 and hour days. Oh, day. yeah. I mean, crazy days. And it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't have to work that hard if you start investing in real estate and, you know, creating wealth. Yes, property management comes with its challenges. And yes, being a landlord isn't always fun, right? We've got lots of tenants that do a lot of dumb things and yes. it is what it is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we're creating wealth, right? And, and that 
And now that I know exactly how to do that, or I can actually scout deals and I know what they look like and I know that's a good flip, right? Or I know yep. that that's a flip and a hold or any of those things. Now that I actually know that I've become such a better agent as well. And I think that that's super important. So, um, my team, that has become a huge thing for our team. So we, I may, I cook our, um, both teams actually. I cook them breakfast once a month, um, make breakfast for them. We come in and we hold them accountable to big goals. Um, and it's one at a time that we're working through and, and there's lots of other goals that we do and we meet with them weekly, but this, this once a month, they have to choose one thing and we will always look at an investing goal, a personal goal, whether it's losing weight or whatever it is. Um, and then like what we call the big hairy goal. So something you might not want to really share with a million people, but like it's a thing and you want to do it. And that's awesome about it. Yeah, it's been really cool. And the, the investing part has been the biggest thing in both teams, actually. So like I have a 24 year old that's buying her first home on Friday. Um, and it's a cute little home, but she would have never done that if she wasn't, if we weren't talking about that actively and really pushing for them to build wealth and you can build wealth without having investment properties, right? You could just buy your first home at 24 and then be able to keep that as a rental if you want or, you know, buy a duplex. So. We're, um, we've become really passionate about it. And I think it's a, it's a big deal, especially if you're in real estate, it's something that you've got to teach your team. And then, um, it made us better agents too, right? I actually agree with you a hundred percent. One of the things that I, you know, even, you know, I shared that we were just on a vacation with my family. One of my brothers is a real estate agent. Most of the audience <laughs> realizes that because they listen to this. I talk about them all the time, yeah. but I, I, I tell them all the time, the game you are in is the investment game. Your residential real estate business, your commercial real estate business is literally to feed a portfolio for you. And so we have investment properties and there's flips that he's doing and everything like that. Because of what you stated, I guarantee you every agent on this feels overworked. Not from the perspective they don't love what they do, but it's just, it is a grind. I mean, you are at the becking call of your clients are always trying to get a hold of you, which I also would encourage people tangentially set boundaries. It's very yeah. critical in this industry. You got to set boundaries, boundaries with your clients and because they'll actually appreciate that too. And they'll see you more as a professional, but you're grinding it out. And what I hate to see is the burnout of agents and then all this sweat equity that they put in that they don't get the long-term payoff and the deals are there. You're, you yeah. have first access to the deals. There's an abundance of deals. I tell my brother this all the time. One of the, the leads he calls are absentee owners. So if you, you know, so absentee owners, you guys can buy lists that of people who own homes that basically they don't live in. And he, he gets his deals, his rental deals, the flip deals and stuff like that. We've gotten amazing deals just calling that list every single day and finding people, but it builds long-term wealth. And what I love what you're doing is it paints a bigger picture of you can build great wealth for yourself where you don't have to have your business running you every day. That's the whole theme behind almost this podcast is you yeah. get you build procedures and processes in your business that are scalable, that are replicatable, that can be passed from person to person to make you not stressed and worried. And then at the same time, you start building the infrastructure to where you can invest and build equity or a portfolio. And you have five rentals. Imagine five rentals, giving each rental, even giving a cash flow of 500 bucks a month in 15 years, 30 years, if you have to do a 30-year uh, mortgage or whatever, but 15 years, you got to pay it off and you got five rentals giving you 500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's very, very possible. 
let alone, we could do a whole podcast on the, the we just did a deal we were in at 40 we refinanced came out at 85 super simple made tons yeah. of money and we have it cash flow positive and in 15 years it's paid off and it's good. like there's so many ways you can make money in that there's a great guy Andy Dane Carter I don't know if you are you familiar with Andy Dane Carter you ever heard of him yep yeah he, he has this book called 100 doors uh, right. that he talks about. And that, that's the whole concept. So we did a podcast with him. You know, he was one of the first people we interviewed. Yeah. So you guys yeah. should go check out that podcast. But this guy is a beast when it comes to building that that well. So I absolutely love that. It's a truth as old as sales itself. If you want to stay paid, you've got to close deals. And if you want to close deals, you're going to need leads. But how do you get all of these leads in the first place? Well, if you're a real estate agent looking to attract new clients, you'll definitely want to check out our ebook. It's called, you guessed it, Lead Generation for Real Estate Agents. This is a great primer for new agents or a refresher for seasoned ones. It'll teach you all about effective lead campaigns as well as mistakes you'll want to avoid. To download your free copy of Lead Generation for Real Estate Agents, go to ReminderMedia.com slash Lead Generation. That's ReminderMedia.com slash Lead Generation. For more leads tomorrow, take action today. What do you think yeah. the biggest mistake you see new agents making? Gosh, I think, you know, <laughs> there's so many. Um, probably, I, you know, I'm going to say what you just said, really, just and not to be a broken record, but not setting boundaries. I think that that's the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, you, so we always say that you teach your clients how to treat you, right? You teach people how to treat you. That's a great, and great saying. Yeah. And, and that is a, it's a real thing. Like if I'm going to answer my phone at eight o'clock and nine o'clock, if I'm going to negotiate a deal at nine o'clock at night, I better be very aware that we're all tired and annoyed from the day. We're probably not going to make the best decision and we're definitely not going to make the decision we would make in the morning. Right. right. Yep. I just think that there's so much like, Oh my God, I got to do all these things. And there is, everything feels like an emergency. It's just not. And you know, even if we've got multiple offers on deals, like it's okay to say, Hey, there's multiple offers, but we don't have to have ours until tomorrow at 12. So let's wake up in the morning. Let's talk first thing when we're fresh and ready to have that conversation. Talk to you at eight. I, right. I and, freaking love that. It's confidence yeah. that displays competence that actually builds trust. And that's what so many, when, when you actually give in, this is what people don't understand. They, they think they're rude. No, no, no you're actually putting the position of your client in an authority position, which actually stresses them out. Like you yeah. think you're doing them a service, but now they're stressed out because they feel like, okay, yeah, it, it, they, he did need to hear from me. He did need to, I did need to tell him to, to go and talk to the buyer's agent or whatever it is. It's like, no, confidence, which is going to reflect competence, which will give yeah. the trust to that actual person, client you're helping. And so many people, I see it all the time, even in my own brother. I mean, we went through the same experience. It's like, you're freaking out. You think you got to help everybody. It's like, no, you know what you're doing. You're an expert in your field. It's not the end of the world. You display that you're going to build just such a, I guess what I would say is a comfortableness for the clients going through the experience. And that's your job. That's your ultimate job is to make them feel comfortable. That's right. Well, and I think, you know, even just piggybacking off of that, like, you know, I see so many people not, um, not having a boundary around like this client who is never going to listen to me and doesn't think I'm a professional and doesn't see me that way and thinks they're in charge. I need to exit from that relationship in order to open up my time to have the right relationships there. And I think, 
you know, that's another piece that I see a lot. It's like, um, I'm working with this $90,000 buyer that's like killing me. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, just goodbye. Well, it like, goes back to your, you, t- your like, 10 days of pain. It's, yeah. <laughs> you normally, what you normally do is you normally hang on to these because your pipeline's not full. Cause you don't believe right. that you can go get another deal. It's like Grant Cardone always says, when you're scared to lose the deal, it's because you haven't done the work to fill your pipeline. And if you're willing to do the 10 days of pain every single time, you will never have to worry because every blind squirrel finds a nut. You will trip over business. It's like the abundance of business out there is immense. But you know what we don't do? We don't have the habits that actually implement the systems that we stick to every day, like a flight checklist and end up tripping over the deals. That's what kills us. All right. So I have a, I have a question for you. I tend to ask this to most of the people we interview because I'm always curious of their answer. I love to study successful people because I kind of am addicted to the like top three things to do to become a millionaire, top three things to do to have the best life, those type of articles. You know, they, those are the things I tend to click on all the time. I'm curious, what are the routines that you've implemented in your life? The, whether it's processes, procedures, principles, what is it that when you look back on your years, because you're successful, you have two companies, you've done an incredible job. What are the routines that you've implemented that have driven that success when you look back? Yeah, you know, um, one of the, so the processes and procedures is definitely one. I mean, I remember reading the e-myth and feeling like, oh my gosh, every business that I have has to just be a sellable business, which means it has to have all the processes and procedures and people in place and people have to be able to come in here and duplicate everything that we're doing. So like I learned that a long time ago and that's just where I've lived in my headspace. And so like if you came into my business today and you needed to be the admin, you could actually apply in Brevity the action plan for contract to close on the seller side. And there would be tasks that would tell you what to do. And there are videos that you can click on oh, that take awesome. you to YouTube and show you exactly how to do it. So I wouldn't even have to train you anymore. It's just there, right? So that is a sellable business. So that, um, and that's what we do in the consulting piece. So that's the first. Um, the second one is, you know, I, ah, oh, this is, this is such a, I don't know. This is a, this, this is an interesting one because I'm going to say it, but then I'm going to contradict myself. So I, I am the person who can stay up at night and grind something out, right? Like I will, I'll work all day and then I'm like, I'm going to build this thing, right? <laughs> Whether it's a website or whatever. And I will, I have that sheer determination that will push through anything. And I think it's needed. It's, it's the grit that you need in order to be a business person. Right. Um, one of my mentors says, say yes and figure it out. And I believe in that. Like yep. I'll, yes, we're going to do that. And I'm going to figure it out. And if that takes me all night, I'm going to, but I'll tell you one of the things that I have like, really try to get away from is that night owl thing. Because, you know, if I can wake up early in the morning, you know, Miracle Morning is a great book to read if, if this is something somebody wants to change. But I, uh, if I can wake up in the morning and I'm fresh and I'm good, just like I said, with negotiating, I'm going to do so much better and I'm going to be so much better. And so I'm, I have been working on transitioning into being a morning person instead of a night owl because I know I do so much better. And so I would say that that's something that I've seen in millionaires for sure. It's the morning, winning the morning game over, right? 100%. Um, yeah. And then, um, the third one I would say is <laughs> I feel like 
it hasn't been until recently, but I, um, I decided to get really vulnerable in my leadership and really allow my team to see when I'm struggling and not be this perfect. I'm not, can't be perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, when I fail, I'm, I'm going to own it and we're going to talk about it and we're going to figure out a way forward. And, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that one of the biggest changes for me over the last couple of years has been to, um, start to be okay with being vulnerable, even on podcasts. Um, and, and just talk about the things that maybe everybody doesn't talk about because that's where the true, you know, that's where the win really comes in. That's where the failures are what have gotten me to where I am and, and starting to love those failures because I know I'm going to grow out of that. And then being open and honest about it is, I think, really catapulted me. It's really difficult to like be yeah. vulnerable and authentic. You know, and when you say it, it's like, well, yeah, duh, it's it's difficult, but it is really like even when you make a conscious effort to go, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be authentic. It's really. And then you worry about if what people thought about you when you were vulnerable. (laughs) Yeah, are you the type? I'm the type of person that you say something to somebody, you see their reaction. Right? Like, why did I just say that? A month later, (laughs) I'm still thinking about it. Like, I'm still like, ah, why did I say that? Like, I should have never said that. And then I thought something you said also is really, really, you know, something that I just want to encourage people that are listening to this: choosing your happiness is something that that's kind of what I heard in your second, you know, not staying up late and not being that out out or night hour or whatever. It's like choosing your happiness is really hard and it's a balance because you do have to grind it out in entrepreneurship. You do have to be disciplined like nobody else. Work harder. If you want to be in the 1%, do you have the 1% level of work ethic? Like yeah. are you in the 1% you know level in the world? But yeah. you also have to be willing to be selfish. And that's an art I'm learning right now of like, you can't help other people if you're not in a state that can help. And you have to first make sure you've taken care of yourself, not in necessarily an egotistical or selfish way, as much as it is a making sure that you have abundance in your spirit and your life and your energy to be able to help people. So I absolutely love that. I think that's great, great advice. That's yeah, and that's blue. something um I actually so I've I've I'm going to say released 40 pounds instead of lost 40 pounds recently and that was a big piece to that, right? Like I I was staying up all night grinding it out, eating food to stay awake like and gaining weight to like build my businesses. That doesn't yeah. help anybody and it and honestly And it made you, know, you miserable. I, it made me miserable. Yep. I mean, my body was like a total mess and and we've had to I've had to transform in that way too. And I think that's been a big thing too for my team to kind of watch me go, okay, I'm going to take a hold of this and fix this um, because I'm a leader. Like I need to show up like a leader. So Lindsay, you have a uh, poster behind you. I've been looking at, it says dream a wild. It looks like there's a couple pencils or chopsticks or something in like a shadow box. What does that mean? Their arrows. Um, yeah. So if anybody's ever, I can't tell you guys what you do with them because then that ruins it. Um, but if anybody ever wants to master the money game, um, I did the millionaire mind intensive a few years ago. Okay. Um, and it really teaches you, it teaches you to set up like six bank accounts and how to like take your money and teaches you how to invest in all those things. And there was, um, a thing that you had to do. So I can tell you, you know, I just went to Tony Robbins UPW and learned how to walk on fire. Right. And, uh, 
That's a similar thing with arrows, but they tell you not to talk about it. That so is you awesome. have to go. I love it. Uh, that's suspense. That's that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is a teaser in marketing. Uh, that is a teaser is. right there. Great. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much they for being here. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. If you, uh, you'll see this in the notes, but um, Lindsay's name is spelled L-I-N-Z-E-E Soprani. So if you're looking her up, following her on social media, you can spell it that way. How can people connect with you before we close? Yeah, you know what? Facebook's a easy one um, through there if you find me there. But even just um, going to Soprani's website probably, which is www.soprani, C-I-P-R-A-N-I, consulting.com. My information's there and and we'll be able to hang out with you or roundtable realestateservices.com. So one of those two. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today here on Stay Paid, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, make sure to leave a comment and also tell someone else about the podcast today. You can find our podcast in video, including this one, and you can see the poster that she's not allowed to tell us about in the yes. background in the video <laughs> on staypaidpodcast.com. All of our episodes, all of our videos are hosted there at staypaidpodcast.com. You can also get hold of me or Luke. We are on Instagram at staypaidpodcast, or you can find Luke at Luke Acree. Yes, you can. And myself at Josh Dyke. And of course, you can check out Reminder Media on social media. We're at Reminder Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Acre, guys. And the action item from this podcast that I want you to implement because I think it will really, really enhance not only your business, but I think it will free you. I think, you know, we're all after this life of freedom where our business doesn't run us and we actually get to run our business is implementing these A to Z checklists checklist for every action that you have in your business. So you start at, you know, lead generation and what's your checklist for lead generation? Like you heard her talk about 10 days of pain. Like you have to walk through this checklist of 10 days of pain, do these things and you'll stumble across business. Like that type of idea. What's your checklist that you do every single day? Is it hitting the phones from nine to 11? Write those down. Do that for every part of your business that is happening on a repetition. That will free you. If you don't have those checklists, what's happening to you is you're constantly chasing your tail. Though you know what to do, you're constantly wondering, did I do it? Did I not do it? And guess what? You can't scale your business because you can't pass it to somebody. You can't train somebody to do it. So the action item for this podcast is get a checklist for every action in your business that's replicatable that you do all the time and watch the freedom start coming into your mind that you don't have to worry about the things. Remember the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in any business is top producers take action. So take action on that. 